to Urban State of Mind. This is Akia. And Karina. <laughs> and we are so happy to be back this week. Yes. <laughs> we do not have a special guest. No. It's just the two of us. Our lovely voices. Yes. <laughs> How you been? I've been good. I had a mock election today. Was it just for staff? You so were telling was, me a little bit. It was just for staff. So the eighth graders have theirs um, probably in the next week or so. Um, and they're going to have their, it'll be in the big PowerPoint that I have to make. Oh my goodness, stress level just increased a little bit. Um, but this was just staff and we do it during teacher appreciation week. So oh, we all went cute. out to eat and we all got, you know, they announced it in Buffalo Wild Wings. So I'm sorry to all the patrons of Buffalo Wild Wings you who heard our loud. teacher voices. You know, the hand went up. Hey, give me five legacy staff. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I have been out at a restaurant with a group of teachers and I don't know because I've always I mean in my professional career I've always been in education I don't know if other people are this loud but I'm always like I know the restaurant is so mad when we come because we are loud we were so loud and the winner for this one was it was crazy that's funny but you know the irony of what I won today <laughs> the yeah go ahead and tell okay so for our avid listeners, on our first episode, we were talking about the big juggling act, you know, that work-life balance. And I told you guys that my teammate, Ashley, who just, um, she reheard that episode um, a couple of days ago. She said, yes, that was my plan. Her plan was to make sure that I left every day at 345. Mm-hmm. Now, she told me this last year in the summer, and I was like, girl, no, you're not. Because it can be hard for teachers to let it go and just go home. Sometimes to, we take our work with we, us on that evenings, yes. weekday evenings, uh, <laughs> weekends, holidays. It can Everything. Just, it can be that much. And we were actually talking about it today because I used to be that teacher that did Saturday school, after school tutoring. I coached a cheerleading squad. Over the break, they came up there for practice. If you need to work on your science project, I said, hey, Miss McCord is here. That was my life. Ten years later, it's like, oh, I'm out the door. So with that in mind, I won. Dun, dun, dun. Jet setter <laughs> of the year. That's a cute category, too. So me and my teammate Ashley got the award for the first people out the building. Nice. And so, that is not a diss. That's a compliment when you're a teacher. And some people are like, oh, they're high-fiving about that. Yes, because if you only knew the backstory of it, how... You know, she was really trying to tell me you need to start balancing out your life Um, to get at that point. It was hilarious, but it was also like, yes, that's That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Yes. (laughs) I mean, if you can still do what you do and and get these kids, Mm -hmm. um, you know, learning, basically, and you can get out the door and still enjoy your life. That's how you have longevity in this industry. Mm -hmm. So. Say what you want, and it, but it's not a guilt trip. It's not, or don't accept that. But you don't have to. No other industry requires you to work that number of hours mm-hmm. without compensating right. you. <laughs> Come on now, overtime without does not exist. You, without <laughs> compensating you to um and expect that of you. So yes, get out the door. That's a beautiful thing. That's that work life balance. Mm-hmm. And go back check out our first episode if you want to hear the backstory of how we went from Ooh. uh started from the bottom and got here. And now we here. <laughs> Shout out to Drake. So our discussion today is four questions. For from a fourth grader. 
And if you have a, a child or a student, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, it doesn't matter what grade, and they want to send in their questions, feel free to we'll answer it. That could be a cute little segment. Yeah, feel free to send them in <laughs> to us um, because we recognize the different you know, grades have different questions. But today we're taking four questions from a fourth grader. His name is Cartrell Christian Gray. Hey. <laughs> so shout out to you for sending in your questions, Christian. All right. First question is, what made you become a teacher? You want to go first? I can go first on okay. this one. Okay. So my grandmother always said I would be a school teacher. Really? She sure did. She said I would be in the basement. Um, I had my stuffed animals. I was teaching a lesson. <laughs> I did all that. High school came around. I realized teachers didn't make enough money. So I wanted to be a chemical engineer. Found out they made plastic. Cut that idea. Um, but when I went to Pontiac School District, I worked there for a summer mm-hmm. as a summer tutor. Um, and I fell in love with it. The teacher was awesome that I worked with. The kids were awesome. So what made you switch from chemical engineer so, to back to teacher is okay. it because it's something that was always you it, it's probably something that was always in me but okay. it's funny so it was chemical engineering computer engineer uh computer science business administration then I worked that summer with Pontiac school district okay and then I told my dad I remember we were driving I said hey dad I think I want to change my major and he was like to what I said I think I want to be a teacher and he said are you sure now, for all the people who know my dad, he is very much a, oh, how can I describe him? Rev run, mm-hmm. motivational. Okay. Yes. He sent, like, he sent me a message today. So for him to say, are you sure that's something you want to do? It kind of threw me off. Um, but once I told him that I was faithful and that I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do. And I started um, every job I took at that point had to do with child care, education. I took the English courses to get into the college of education and it was, I fell in love with it. And I honestly reflected on my favorite teacher, which was Miss Carriker. Shout out to Miss Carriker, my fifth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she made learning fun and I learned a lot from mm-hmm. her. She was not an easy teacher, but it was a very impactful fifth grade year. So between my grandmother and Miss uh, Carriker, a lot happened and I fell in love with teaching. That's what made you become a teacher. Yeah. For myself, it was, I guess, a little bit different. I had never thought of being a teacher never. until I was out of college with my undergrad Whoa. degree. <laughs> um, and so what? I was 23. Okay. Um, And it's kind of relatable. My cousin Nina also produces our podcast yes, shout she out does. to nina Shandra shout out to Media. nina um but <laughs> nina's just fresh out of college and we talk a lot about where her career path is gonna go and it's such a weird point in your life mm-hmm. because really getting a college degree doesn't mean nope. a lot for <laughs> where you're gonna go but i was out of college i had an undergraduate degree in biology and i was planning on going to pharmacy school okay so i was just going to take the summer to save a whole bunch of money Mm -hmm. because I was, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to work and really focus on pharmacy school. So I had a plan to live with my parents and have money saved to pay like my car note and some of these other small bills. Okay. And finding a job right out of college was hard. That's the most stressful 
time. So the first real <laughs> job I got, when I say real, I mean the first thing that wasn't a scam, wasn't like commission based or anything mm-hmm. like that was substitute teaching. Okay. And I was making chump change, but I went in there and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Not the very first day. I'm not going to say that I wasn't scared. That's another story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but once I got in there, like literally the end of the first day, I had an amazing time. That's cool. I was really young and I was really young looking. I'll show you guys a picture of me when I was 23. <laughs> I promise I looked like I was in high school. So it, later, some of the staff were like, we thought the kids are going to eat you alive. But <laughs> Um, I did a good job. Like I related to the kids and I went in like my classroom management was on point from day one because I really just looked at how my mom mm. and how the like women I knew kind of wrangled groups of kids. <laughs> so I was pretty stern. But um, anyway, the point is I was able to manage classes and I became like a permanent sub in the school. I had my own classes. Mm-hmm. This is before like the highly qualified thing was set in stone. So if oh, you had a college degree, yep. you could really sub. This was the last year that that was really even possible. But I had my own class. Like I taught a speech class for the whole year. Did you do high school dancing? And this was a high school in Inkster. Yep. Okay. I taught a speech class for the whole year and I taught like business law. I taught all these little electives that I knew nothing about about really <laughs> but like business law I know I know and speech speak like what okay but the point is um I fell in love with the autonomy that I had mm-hmm. my classroom was my little thing and we were able to do like really fun exciting projects like it was just all my own thing um mm-hmm. and then I fell in love with the kids I got to know the kids and so I decided to become a teacher because I like substitute taught and Mm -hmm. I actually had a really good experience substitute teaching and so from there I went back and got and I enrolled in school to get my teaching certificate and I got my master's in education all while I continue to be a sub or a parapro that's cool and yeah that's what made me become a teacher it's like actually testing it out mm-hmm. that's the best i mean that's the best testing way it out as a sub i tell people to do that all the time actually one of my other cousins goes to michigan state and i was like you should sub first like just sub and see if you really want to do this you know what and i recommend that for anyone who's thinking about going into education you really need to do something in education don't let internship year yeah you may not be able to um sub if you don't have your college degree yet Mm -hmm. but you could still like job shadow volunteer tutor yep um all those things just get in the school Mm -hmm. and get in a situation where you are leading a group of kids Mm -hmm. because it can be scary when you're watching somebody else and you're and they may not be doing a really good job this is true so that may scare you off i want you to get in a situation where you're taking a group and maybe you volunteer to do a reading group maybe you volunteer to Something where you're taking the kids and getting to interact as like the leader or delivering instruction. That was probably the best part of my internship year because my mentor teacher just let me teach. She was like, "That's another. That's another podcast about our student teaching." I I need to find Miss Blevins if y'all can find Miss Blevins. I had a horrible time, (laughs) and I loved mine. Oh my goodness! All right, that's another another one. (laughs) All right, question number two: four (laughs) questions from a fourth grader. how did you choose what? You, how did you choose what grade? Oh, you go first. <laughs> All right. Um, 
for myself, like I said, teaching fell into my lap because I was substitute teaching at a high school from day one. Right. So that informed my decision on wanting to teach high school. Really, that informed my decision on a lot because I got I was able to test things out. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was already teaching high school. I really had really good relationships and interacted with that group well. So it was natural for me to become a secondary teacher. And so I taught um, high school for about three years. Um, And then but when I'm certified to teach sixth graders through 12th graders. So I was teaching for probably three years before I actually ever taught middle school. My first middle school experience was really, really pleasant. I was mm-hmm. teaching at a school in Detroit called Detroit Edison Public School Academy. I didn't know you'd worked at Edison. I did. I worked. Okay. I only worked one school a year there. Okay. And then, and I loved it. It was really pleasant. Mm-hmm. So then I worked at another high school because I got a better offer. Then I went back and taught at a middle school <laughs> thinking, because people give middle school such a bad rap. Oh, yeah. So the next middle school I went to made me recognize why middle schoolers <laughs> get such a bad rap. And what I'm like, what grade did you teach? All um, of them? So initially when I was at Edison, I taught sixth, seventh and eighth grade science, which okay. was really hard switching it up every yeah. day, teaching all three grades. Um, and then the next when I finally got back into a middle school, I did title one intervention. So I got to push in with sixth, seventh and eighth graders. So basically, I for those of you who may not understand the terminology, I did intervention with students who were low. I took test scores Mm -hmm. like maybe their MSTEP or their NWEA test scores. And I was taking students from like the bottom or like this middle group who Mm -hmm. are on the cusp of being bubble kids. The bubble kids is what they're called. And I would pull them and give them extra support in science. So that was cool. Um, but that was why that experience made me recognize why people talk about middle school. So I do prefer high schoolers. Okay. And I only experience I have with smaller kids is I did summer school one year with fourth graders and they were so cute. Oh my God. I just don't think I could really be stern with them because they were just too cute for me to <laughs> deal with. I'm like, you guys are so cute. I can't even be can't stern be with mean. you. I like, can't be stern to you. I know. It's so, so freaking cute. cute. I don't know what to do with you. So, yeah, I do prefer the older <laughs> kids because um, you can tell the older kids stuff and you can hold them accountable. Yes. Um, there's a little bit the maturity and the reasoning that older kids have works better with my personality. Whereas mm-hmm. a smaller kid, you have to be a lot more understanding of their developmental stage and that take, it's a special type of person that's meant for that. Mm-hmm. I am not that person. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you choose what grade you teach? So for all our listeners or new listeners who may not know, I teach um, middle school English. Um, <laughs> funny stories. Um, when I was at Michigan State. So Michigan State University gives you that opportunity to um, work in a lot of different schools before your actual internship year so each year that I was in the college education I worked in the classroom so the first one was kindergarten the second one was second grade I love I mean the little kids are so cute to me I do like love interacting with them but 30 of them or 25 of them girl (laughs) so they're all and kindergartners are very touchy but I used to also work at a daycare so daycare preschool Actually, I worked at a Montessori as well. So I'm, I was used to little people. Um, 
So when graduate, the last year before internship, I had a teacher and she, we all, I'm certified in language arts six through eight and I can teach self-contained, you know, all in elementary school. So she told us that the worst year, the worst grade level to teach is seventh grade. And I was like, why? And she told us that they are such a bad rap girl. So (laughs) she said they are the most emotional. They always have an issue. Something is always wrong. One day they want to be a baby. And the next next day day they want to be be grown. It's it. And she said, it's really a lot. And that kind of, I'm not gonna lie to you. That kind of freaked me out. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna stick with the little people. I don't really want to deal with the attitudes. Come back. Like let's fast forward internship year. I do second grade again Going back to your point, Karina, when I graduated, I had my certification. I had my degree. I had everything I needed. No one was hiring. I applied for jobs from probably about April until I got a phone call in July. Oh, wow. So, well, cause you know, your certification didn't come right out. So we started looking, but my certification wasn't fully done until about June. Because our internship ended in May, but we went to like a job fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a phone call. They said, hey, we have this job opportunity for you. And I get excited. I said, cool. What grade level? And they said seventh. I said, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't want to teach middle school. And you're certified to teach elementary and middle school, right? Yep. So okay. I can teach self-contained six through eight. Um, no, I can teach six through eight, six through eighth grade language arts. And I can teach self-contained in elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, so when somebody called me and told me, I was, I sat down with my dad once again, I said, dad, what do I do? I haven't heard from anybody else. I need to see what's, uh, you know, what should I do? Should I try it? My parents sat down with me and were helping me come up with a lesson. Neither one of them are teachers, by the way. That is too funny. <laughs> so I, I had never taught middle school. I called my aunt. She taught uh, middle school English. I was like, hey, I need a really good, you know, I need a really good lesson because I have to get a job. And I thought to myself, well, maybe it'll just be temporary. I won't be there too long. Did you have to teach a lesson for your interview? Yes. Okay. Um. So I get there. I taught a lot. A lesson on formal and informal speech. <laughs> and I get there. And the way that I opened it up, I said, hey, what up, though? How you doing? Yo, Jays are sweet. Da, 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 da. And the, there was a panel of teachers behind mm-hmm. teachers and administration. Panel. They're all back there. And they're looking. The principal, my mentor now, she's looking like, what is she, who is this person that y'all brought in here? And I basically opened up by saying, hey, which was my mom's idea. I opened up and said, hey, that's informal speech. Mm-hmm. Is that something I should be doing in here? Blah, blah, blah. And that's I actually cute. got the I job like because creative and original. <laughs> I know my aunt gave it to me and my mom. Shout out to them. That's why I'm teaching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my um, my dean at the time, well, not yet, but he had kids walking around the room testing my classroom management. Mm-hmm. And one boy kept getting up and I had like the last time I said, I need you to sit down. Like I had my sternness came out Mm -hmm. and I guess he said, yeah, that's when I wanted you to be a part of my team. And ever since, well, I can't even say ever since then because the first day of school was scary because I had to fight that first day and it freaked me out. I was like, daddy, I don't want to do middle school anymore. But now I could never teach second grade. 
because like so you've you said, always so you did like student teaching and things or but you've always taught middle school so i've always taught middle school but all of my preparation was that's like k2 so now when i see k2 they're like oh you should come down here no i don't do the crying and then even yeah. my conversation with the middle schoolers is different yes seventh graders are emotional but they do get a bad rep um and I then just like the thing too is when i did teach sixth seventh and eighth grade it was such a like huge difference between so different so i have a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry Mm -hmm. so for me to teach really 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 basic science Mm -hmm. felt like i just wasn't feeling like i was really teaching science okay um to the sixth graders i would have to teach them things like writing like some of the students i have to teach them like writing on the lines or like you know how to address their paper and Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have to do some like background skills with the older kids. Like Mm -hmm. you may tell them how you want things done in your classroom, but you don't have to do it every day. And it's so much like a sixth grader is still just learning so much about being a student, especially a middle school student. Yep. They're learning so much about being a middle in middle school and being a student Mm -hmm. that it was really just about teaching that my eighth graders. Yes, I was able to really teach and go in on science. But I'm you know, I was like, I'm here for science. So. Um, that's another reason that I know from that experience, it made me recognize that I prefer the older kids because the sixth graders, I was just teaching them so much about being a student and I wasn't able to really teach science yet. But when kids are young, you're teaching a lot about like everything. And I don't don't <laughs> think that at any point you should not want to teach those other mm-hmm. things. There are things that kids need at every level mm-hmm. that are not just your content area. We did mm-hmm. a whole podcast about it, but I think I just I'm so direct. <laughs> I relate to older kids it's better. So it's such a different conversation yeah. between second grade and seventh grade, and oh, it's crazy. Yes. When I did that, I did SAT prep. I taught um, some students at Renaissance High School, is a high school in Detroit. It was so interesting because then I was like, "Wow, should I go back and get certified?" Yeah. And for high school, like, and high like, school is great. And I, I love really love them. Like I fell in love with them on a Saturday. They just made my day. But yes, but, yeah, it's always nice. middle school. All, all students are really, really nice. But who you want to teach every day? I think it, it's a lot of factors that yeah. determine it. Um, so it's always good to just test it out and see what works see what best works. for you. Um, all right. Third question from a fourth grader. <laughs> this one is what what's the best and worst parts about being a teacher? And I'll I'll start by saying the worst part, I think, for me is like the lack of respect mm-hmm. or lack of appreciation is ironic because this week is teacher national teacher appreciation week. They talking about when is student appreciation week. <laughs> That's funny. That is too funny. Every day. Um, right, every day. <laughs> but a lot has been happening personally and just I guess in the world and society that makes me go, hmm. So I think the worst part is that teachers as a profession are not really mm-hmm. valued and appreciated. Not by individuals, because a lot of individuals get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people just don't really get it. They're like, you're a teacher, that's your job. Um, more recently, I was reading an article about an educator who um, 
I don't want to give too much detail. Oh, Jesus. But I was reading an article about an educator who wanted, like, to be compensated, right? It was about compensation okay. for educators okay. at varying levels. And I was reading the comments in the news article, and somebody's like, why would they be wanting to renegotiate their contract? This isn't the NFL and to the me, NFL, really? Right. And so, like, to oh, me, really? I was so offended. Like, why is it okay that, right. why is it okay for the NFL to be able to renegotiate contracts before they're up and do all these things? And, like, why is society okay with teachers not being compensated? It's crazy. And before I have been in a conversation with someone who said, um, I'm glad that teachers don't make that much money because it ensures that people who really care about kids are there. And that that baffles my mind, too, because no other industry is that the case. We don't we don't do we that don't, with doctors. Exactly. I'm like, that was my what I was going to get out. See, but medical professionals are medical, not paid yes. chump change to ensure that they're there. I want my nurses and doctors to care, too. Yeah. But I'm not going to pay them chump change. So I say that's the worst part is that teachers are not compensated well and not really valued or appreciated. And the work is backbreaking and vital. Mm-hmm. You want to give your worst part and then we can, <sighs> that might then be, we can do a positive upswing. Right. Let, <laughs> we started with the negative. <laughs> um, so I agree with Karina, but I think it's, it's just respect overall. It's just in the classroom is a lack of respect for certain things. Um, and then it's also for me when you give so much to a student I feel like teachers are givers we give a lot um so that these students can grow and to be better individuals better students whatever just when they don't care like oh, we yeah. it, it's trying like, to like get through to kids trying to get care. through to them they're just like eh, I don't care I, and I know as a teacher we shouldn't take that personal and we shouldn't be offended and we shouldn't be like, dang, why are they still not caring? But every teacher knows it still bothers you. Mm-hmm. Why does it not matter to you? And I guess in these days and times, I'm just looking around and I'm like, man, we're not getting respect in the classroom, outside of the classroom. That is disheartening. And it's just really disheartening. And it, it turns off people who are probably be very good educators. It turns them off from not even wanting to be involved in and the that occupation at me. all that saddens me when people don't want to be a part of education because some of these mm-hmm. outward pieces and I do want to clarify too when we talked about not being able to find a job when I got my um teacher cert I have not had any issue like mm-hmm. every time I've had a lot of um opportunities and I think it's mainly depending on what subject area you go into. Yeah. I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and be further discouraged. <laughs> because English and social studies tend to be you have a lot more people right. that go into those subject areas than math and science. And so when mm-hmm. you do go into a math or science um with a teaching certificate or you get certified in those areas, it tends to be a little bit easier you find more openings but it it saddens me that people don't want to go into the profession so on that note let's talk about the best parts (laughs) the best part is when they get it when the light bulb goes off and a kid makes the connection Mm -hmm. i don't care about anything else when they get it and you see it and it might not hard work was worth something oh my god you got it it's like it, it's something that happens inside of a teacher it's like the Grinch your heart got bigger mm. 
mm. you're so excited about it and to see an excited child especially it's so many negative things that they could see and be a part of in this world to see them happy and excited about something educational um when I see that in a student it just makes my day mm-hmm. and their success is important to me and that they feel confident that is just an awesome feeling to me when a student feels that way or a student that you taught years ago sends you a like I had a student I broke down crying in the hallway embarrassing they send me letters from their high school and I guess they had to send a letter to somebody they went to Cass shout out to Cass because this was a great idea they had the seniors send letters to people who made an impact in their life and I got two of them from um former students and one girl said you made me fall in love with poetry and I'm like poetry Mm -hmm. really so she said I'm taking a year off I'm gonna become a writer I'm gonna go to New York I'm doing all that and Mm -hmm. that's just such an awesome feeling and I just broke because I think I had a really bad day at work and that just really lightened my mood so Mm -hmm. when a kid makes that connection and they come back and tell you how much you impacted their life the little chump change I get for my salary is all worth it (laughs) I know no that is one of the that's the like Like, rewarding part is definitely seeing kids Mm -hmm. and, and making those connections and it makes it all worth it it makes it like a really really kind of joyous profession when it's nothing like money and mm-hmm. recognition none of those things can make up for like that feeling inside that you described you mm-hmm. said when your heart gets bigger i like the way you put Hearts that gets bigger um for me the best part when you have a, like a type a personality like myself <laughs> you like to be in control okay so i like one of the first things besides the interactions with the kids and it being extremely rewarding i loved the autonomy that i had being a teacher mm-hmm. or being an education um and i think a lot of schools are looking for that they want a teacher who's going to take some control so mm-hmm. i There are varying levels. I've worked at districts where I had a pacing guide and curriculum, basically a document that told me when I was supposed to be teaching certain um, benchmarks Mm -hmm. and, you know, specific lessons were already set for me. And then I worked in districts where I had none of that and Mm -hmm. I just knew the subject I was supposed to be teaching. Okay. And so I've worked in like a varying level, like this one district was a little bit stricter. Like I knew they had common assessment, meaning me and the other science teacher were going to get have all of our students take this same test. So I needed to make sure my kids knew these certain things at this certain time Mm -hmm. because they were taking this test that was created by this curriculum instructor. We got that now. And I've worked where I had none of that. And I just knew what the kids needed to know from the state standards. But throughout all of these times, I've always loved that I got to determine what my classroom environment was like. I got to determine what we did and how we got there. And I don't I don't necessarily know if other professions get that as much. Some Mm -hmm. probably do. But I have never liked being at a job where I had to do the same repetitive thing every day. And I've never liked being at a job where somebody else gave me like task for task. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't like to be micromanaged. No. And it's kind of hard for somebody to micromanage you in your classroom. They can't. It's possible. Someone. It's possible. It's very possible. But 
and and so no those shade. are yeah no it's possible <laughs> we talked about that and i and you know for me <laughs> that's another podcast again but I worked for I've been lucky to make sure that I've worked for people who don't necessarily micromanage me because that's mm-hmm. important to me. But I love the fact that you can have a lot of autonomy to say, yeah. this is what we're doing in my classroom. And even though the school may have particular rules, you know, in my classroom, we do parking lot for, yeah. for questions or in my classroom, we say this or we say that. And it's just a lot of control that you have on what's happening in that room which ultimately means you have control over what your day looks and feels like Mm -hmm. and I enjoy that I also enjoy that it's not repetitive Mm -hmm. I've worked when I was gonna be um when I was thinking of just going into science and working in a lab I did it in college and I processed lab specimens every day and I dreaded going there Mm -hmm. but that was one of the things about subbing that was like so different is that Every day it was something new because I'm, you know, it's a progression. Maybe I teach the lesson this day and tomorrow we do something where you apply, you know, the lesson that I first introduced you to. And then the third day we read about it. The fourth day we whatever it may be. But I liked the fact that it was not the same thing every single day. That is. And I know that that's important for me because when we do have like professional development weeks or Mm -hmm. days and when I sit in a meeting all day or I sit in. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I'm so glad that I'm not. Yeah, I'm so glad that I get to be the one that gets up and walks around and make the Mm -hmm. plans. I'm in charge. Right. (laughs) That's the best part about being a teacher to me is, you know, that it is different every day. You have autonomy over your day. And um, that's awesome. So that's what I really love about the profession. I don't think enough people really highlight those aspects of it and you can find yourself in a lot of professions where you're sitting at a desk taking orders from someone else and Mm -hmm. that ain't for me (laughs) that just made me think of our review we've been reviewing this week and we do like a mini lesson and then we play a game and the kids can use their phones to play the game kahoot so if you haven't used it kahoot dot it it is awesome and the kids love it and they came up with crazy names but yes if i was in a very strict micromanaged situation that probably wouldn't even take place yeah so i think that's something that you know is really good all right our last and final question our fourth question from a fourth grader um, how did your family react when you told them you wanted to teach? And you kind of started on this when you talked about your dad's reaction. I, I did. didn't want to stop you, but how you can go, if, you know, how did your family react? Um, so my dad did, he did kind of look at me like what we were in the car and he kind of just said, are you sure that's something you want to do? Um, but once I actually, um, <laughs> made a decision to do it. He told me, well, if this is something you're going to do, make sure that you really, um, make sure that you're really setting yourself up for success. Go and um, try working in this area. Go try working here. Try subbing here, doing all these things. So my family was very welcoming to it. I do have um, a family where I have a lot of educators in the family. Um, Two of my aunts are educators. Well, one is retired. Um, she even became a vice principal and a principal. Crazy thing about her, she went back to school and actually was able to accomplish all of this after having her children. Um, so they're all supportive of me. I am the baby teacher, though, of that side of the family. So a lot of times they're like, you're not supposed to smile and you're not supposed to do this. Um, 
But my family was very receptive. My intermediate family, my mom and my dad and my brother are very um, welcoming to it. My dad actually um, mentored um, and he worked with students. He worked with young men in the urban community. So he really enjoyed that. And my mom always wanted to be a teacher. Oh, okay. So I kind of lived the life that they really wanted to do. Dang, that's um, nice. And I always thought my brother would be an awesome science teacher. So we're all very, we talk about a lot of things. We talk and discuss um, different things that might have happened in the classroom. Um, and they really are, you know, they really like my profession. They don't like that they are in a part of a lot of my stories. <laughs> so a lot of my stories involve my family. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, be all right. but yeah, they love it. Um. Well, for me, like I said, I was never slated to really go into education so my mom <laughs> always told me I would be a doctor really when I was a kid she just was like you know like I remember right doing that when I grow up contest in school mm-hmm. and it was about being a doctor like I was going to be an OBGYN okay that's what it was about and when I went to CAS we had to, we picked curriculums or majors and you're picking it when you're an eighth grader so really your parents are picking it right and they picked chem bio but I did and genuinely like science like okay. science is interesting to me um I had an internship at Henry Ford Hospital so I was like really on this path yeah you're about to be a doctor <laughs> I started college pre-med then I switched to pre-pharmacy then I switched to just <laughs> biology and then I was like okay I'm gonna go to pharmacy school um and like I said so my mom was a little bit like surprised, I oh, guess, I like, since I had been shocked? on this path <laughs> of science and being a doctor. And I mean, I one of the things I like to drive home to young people now is that like your major doesn't really determine what you are. No. So because you have a biology or math degree, you could can go into teaching. That's mm-hmm. why p- teachers who have like science and math degrees have so much so many job opportunities because a lot of people who have these degrees don't even really consider education. Right. <laughs> but and I hadn't either until I just until I substitute taught. So my mom was a little taken aback, but she didn't necessarily have any I mean, she wasn't like negative or anything mm-hmm. because that's not really our relationship where she just kind of tells me what to do. She kind of just supports our decisions. My brother um, my brother and I are a little bit closer where we just talk about our next moves in life. Mm-hmm. He is like not that much older than me, though. He's not even two years older than me. So he's like a year and a half older than me. So I was really concerned about the amount of money that teachers. Yes, make. that was the concern, <laughs> especially when you think that you're going to be a doctor or a pharmacist yeah. and you switch to something like being a teacher. It was just like a big shift in like it was just a, like a like like not a midlife quarter life crisis is what it was it was a quarter life crisis where I'm like what am I about to do with my life because this next decision I make is going to affect a very long period of time and you know when you just get out of college you're like I'm not going back to school so I need to make the right decision but anyway my brother was surprisingly supportive and I say surprisingly because if you know his personality you just know James but he told me whatever you're passionate about you can make money at so mm. don't worry about the money worry about where you're pa- what you're passionate about that's good and, advice i know right that's and that really was the first time advice. anyone Thanks, 
I don't think anyone had even talked to me about what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. It opened my eyes to the fact that people had talked to me about careers based on what I was good at or talked to me on careers based on what made money. But I don't think I ever had a conversation about like what I was passionate about. I don't think I did either when I was younger. Yeah. And now they do that a lot more. A lot more in schools, mm-hmm. um, but and I'm sorry, guys, if this sounds weird. But I like have been under the weather, so yes. if it's sounding weird, it's I'm it's sorry. Okay, my nose is beginning to get clogged a bit. <laughs> um, so with that being said, my brother was supportive and gave me some life changing advice, basically, mm-hmm. and my mom was supportive, even though she was shocked, and a lot of people were shocked. They were like, "Wait, what?" A lot I of mean, family yeah, members. Yeah, that was a big jump. You <laughs> yeah, a lot of family members were really shocked because I had literally been on this trajectory of being a doctor or a pharmacist mm-hmm. for a pretty long period of time. But they were they were cool, and I have some educators in my family, but not that many. I have more now than I did back in the day. So mm-hmm. that's um, I don't know. It was it was cool. It was. They were receptive. I think mm-hmm. that's the way that families should be. They Amen. should, you know, they, it's fine to question young people and it's fine to see what their motives and intent is, mm-hmm. uh, intentions are, but not to really discourage people. So that was that. So thank you, Christian, for our four questions. Those were awesome questions, Christian. And he just came up with those because we actually did have a special guest plan for today and we weren't able to host her. So she will be with us probably on our next podcast. We'll keep you posted. But yeah, I loved what made you become a teacher. How did you choose what grade? What are the best and worst parts? And how did your family react when you told them you wanted to teach? Um, like we said at the beginning, if you have questions mm-hmm. uh, as a parent or if your child has questions that they like to ask a teacher, we're always here. You could comment on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes or our Facebook page. Yep. 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 All right. Akia, who's making a difference? So, you know, in the last few segments we've been talking about, we had McBooksters on and we were talking about um, multicultural and different um, types of texts. Um, we talked about Sidney Keys the Third, him having his book club, Books and Bros. And I think we touched on it, but when we were, when I was talking about Books and Bros, um, he went to a specific bookstore in his area. Um, so I actually found an article about the bookstore. It is called Hashtag I See Me. Um, and it is a black owned children's bookstore, which instills pride and positivity. So Pamela and Jeffrey Blair started homeschooling their children. Okay. So as they were homeschooling them, they saw that there was this lack of positive African-American um, characters in books. And they really saw it when they went to different stores to try to, um, have their student, their kids more engaged. I hate saying students, but having their kids more engaged. So they felt, okay, if we can find more positive um, representations of African-Americans, they're going to be more inclined to learn when they're at home and we're doing the homeschooling. Okay. So that's where it actually started from. And um, I have a quote. It says, we found that it was really hard to find materials that reflected African-Americans in positive light. This is what Jeffrey said. And they were looking for ways to stimulate and inspire their kids academically. 
the Blairs knew that they would need to find resources that they could actually relate to. So they started to research on their own just as parents. When their researching yield minimum results, they filled the void by creating their own content from original books to games and posters. Oh, that's nice. Um, Pamela said, we wanted our kids to have a foundation at an early level to be self-motivated about their identity, which I think is powerful. And she said, children that can see themselves in literature and history, their role in society, it helps them to visualize and see black imagery in a positive way, Jeffrey said. Friends and family started asking why our children's self-esteem was so great. That's crazy for a family. Why is their self-esteem so high? Mm -hmm. So with that being said, they decided to find um, to start this bookstore. And the bookstore is actually located in University City, Missouri. Um, And that they sell educational products promoting positive African-American images so that others can have access to the kinds of materials they found that they were missing. Um, So I just thought it was really awesome that they started this whole bookstore based off of a need they saw in their family. Mm -hmm. And then the connection is, is that, our former mad achiever, Sidney Keys the Third. This is where he started his book club, Books and Bros. Okay. So he actually holds his meetings there at that um, store. store. Yep. Oh, nice. So it's so cool. So the Blair's um, idea has caught on. They are getting countless calls from all across the country, individuals and groups that want to replicate <laughs> what they've already done. They, we, they got people from North Carolina to Georgia to Arizona to New York to Illinois. And Pamela said it's starting to become a little overwhelming. Um, their next steps, though, they already have a plan. Good, It's always good to have a plan. <laughs> the Blair's next steps are to get their materials in more schools through book fairs and events. That's awesome. I want them to come to our school. They also are working on developing programs at the store itself, both in math and history, as well as a mentorship program for young boys. I'm like, y'all got it. Y'all got some good ideas here. So once again, we want to give a mad achievement um, to Pamela and Jeffrey Blair, the owners of hashtag I see me, which I love the, t- uh, the actual name of the store. You both saw a need in your household. And you also saw that it was a need in our community. You are promoting a place for positive representations of African-American images. People like Sydney Keys III, Marley Diaz, as well as organizations like McBooksters will be greatly impacted by your contributions. Pamela and Jeffrey Blair, owners of Hashtag I See Me, you are so mad. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Missouri, so I don't see myself going there anytime soon, but if I, I do, I will drop it. <laughs> That'll be the first place I go <laughs> after Sweetie Pies. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Well, um, like we said, check us out on Facebook. Feel free to drop us a line and we will talk to you all next week. Deuces. Deuces.